0: Amen. Beautiful song. Thank you, Sister Emily. All right, take your Bible this morning. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians eleven, Second 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I, I went to bed last night thinking about this thought, and I was right on the verge of sleep. Normally I would turn the light on, grab a notebook, start writing stuff down, but I didn't. But I woke up this morning, and I could not get away from this thought that, the Lord has laid upon my heart and um, we'll just have to see where this thing goes. Uh, it's still cooking up here. i tell you, this Bible's alive. Amen. If you'll meditate on it, it will help you. It's a good thing to meditate on the Word of God. Second Corinthians 11, are you there? Would you stand with me please? I've only got two main points, but I've got a long introduction, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm looking forward tonight, our missionary in Tanzania, Brother Mishama, and his family are going to be with us. He uh, said they're in the area and they're going to come by. we're looking forward to seeing them again and get an update from what God's doing in Tanzania, Africa. Amen. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number one, would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's what I was thinking about last night. The simplicity. That is in Christ. We're gonna look at these verses and a few others this morning as we preach on this thought. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Lord, help us this morning as we open the scriptures. I pray that you'd help me, give me power and anointing and unction to declare the truth of the word of God. May God's people be blessed. If there's somebody here this morning that's not saved, I pray today they would get saved before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so very much. You can be seated. Man has a tendency to make complicated what God has made so simple. Never ceases to amaze me at how simple man, when I say simple man, I'm talking about in comparison to God. Simple man with limited knowledge, limited understanding can take a simple truth from the Word of God and make it so convoluted and so complicated that it literally sends people to hell. There's nothing more ridiculous than putting a question mark where God put a period. And there's nothing more insulting to God than to take what he's already worked out and make it into a problem again. One of the things that I've discovered in the Christian life is we have a tendency to take such simple biblical concepts, trip over them. I preached at Brother uh, Berg's church on Thursday night, a message that I preached here back in July on lean not to thine own understanding. And I was again reminded of how messed up our minds, our understanding, our wisdom is in comparison to God's. And when you read your Bible, if you're not saved, all right, you're not going to understand it. A natural man understandeth not the things of God. All right. This Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when we got saved, the author of this book moved in. And the truths that are in these pages are communicated to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. An unsaved person will almost always arrive at the wrong conclusion, the wrong interpretation when they read the Bible. But a carnal believer that is not spirit-filled and spirit-led will also not understand. And As I was reading these verses this morning, I was just trying to get my head wrapped around the context before I get into that phrase about the simplicity that is in Christ in verse number three. Before we get into that, and maybe we will, I'll try to if I can before it gets too late. But leading up to that statement in verse number three, There are several things that we find in the context that really opened up my heart and my mind to what Paul was trying to say and the burden that was upon his heart. By the way, those that second guess God's plan and those that second guess God's way make it so much harder on themselves than they have to. So much so that Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Contrast that with what Jesus said, my yoke is easy. <laughs> and my burden is light. Alright, it's not complicated. God's, God's word is not complicated. I'm not saying that there are not complex uh Truths, and there are not passages in there that are difficult to understand. I'm not saying that. There are there are passages of scripture in the Bible that to this day I still don't understand. I've been preaching almost 30 years. But the the, the simplicity of Christ has been distorted and perverted so many times by so many people, and Apostle Paul is addressing that. In this text. So by way of introduction this morning. Before we get into the simplicity that's in Christ. I want to notice several things in the first three verses. The first thing I want to notice is the concern of the man of God. In this text. He starts out verse 3. But I fear. I fear. He refers to it in verse number 1. Would to God that you would bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. He's almost... He's almost apologetic. He's, he's almost like he's putting his hands out and saying, would you, just, would you just give me a minute? Would you bear with me just a minute? Could I, could I really put myself out there for just a minute? That's, that's kind of what I feel the Apostle Paul is saying. Could I, could I just get real honest with you? Could I make myself a little bit vulnerable here at the risk of maybe you criticizing me, at the risk of you thinking I'm crazy? Could I, could I really just kind of share what's going on in my heart here? We see in these verses the possessive nature of Paul's words. He had a great love for the people that he ministered to. Would you agree with me on that? So many of Paul's writings talked about his love. He talked about the, the, the deep emotions that he had for them. And he looked forward to seeing them. And he longed to see their face. And uh, uh, he prayed for them. And, and uh, he remembered them with affection and with, with great emotion. The apostle Paul was heavily emotionally invested in the people that he was ministering to. Unlike a hireling unlike somebody that's just doing it for a living. He, he he lived and breathed the ministry and the people that he was preaching to. And you can pick that up in his writings as he wrote many of these books in the New Testament. But we notice several things about his concern. And I just made a quick uh, outline. I don't put I have it on the screen. You can jot it down if you want to. But we see Paul's possessiveness of the people of Corinth, the church of Corinth. He said in verse number two, for I am jealous of, over you with godly jealousy. Now we know jealousy in the, in the human aspect is, 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 a, is a sin and, 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 and it's not right. But God said this in the Old Testament, said, I'm a jealous God. Right. Amen. And he is, he's, he's possessive. He's possessive of his people. Right. He was possessive of the nation of Israel. He's possessive of the church. Amen. At at times we were not a people, but are now the people of God. As the Psalm 23 says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Paul said it like this, we're bought with a price. Ye are not your own. You're bought with a price. We belong to him. He has a right to be possessive. Well, the apostle Paul was possessive as well. He was possessive of them. And he said it in verse number two, for I'm jealous of, over you with godly jealousy. We see Paul's possessiveness of them. Then we see Paul's preaching to them and it is hidden right there in that second statement in verse number two, for I have espoused you to one husband. Well, that came about through Paul preaching the gospel. They came about as a result of them hearing the preaching and getting saved by the grace of God and becoming a part of the bride of Christ, becoming a part of the church of the living God. Can I get a witness? Paul said, I've espoused you. I was the one that led you to Christ. I was the one that brought you to Christ. I was the one that was an ambassador of Christ. And I was the one that was performing the ministry of reconciliation, which by the way, everybody in here has. And do you realize when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ, you're helping espouse them? You're bringing them to God? Amen. Just Just like a mom and a dad has a baby. And they put balloons on the mailbox and they put, they put a stork in the front yard for some dumb reason. But they're excited about the fact that they've got a new baby. When you lead somebody to Christ, you now have been an active part, played a role in bringing them into the body and the bride of Christ. Paul got excited about that. He says, I'm jealous of you. With a godly jealousy, because I preached to you, I witnessed to you, I stood up in the synagogues and I preached, and I preached on the streets, and you heard my preaching, and you got saved, and I espoused you. I got to think about a preacher friend of mine over in Kentucky uh, that was preaching a uh, uh, junior camp for us back in South Carolina years ago, and uh, he was single, and and uh, he was a dynamite preacher, and we just kept saying, "Man, you really would really would be a preacher if you'd get married." You really would be a preacher. God, God really could do something with you if you could find you a better half. And that week he was preaching junior camp, and there was a young lady from Highport, North Carolina, there, from the Jeff Ledbetter's church where he pastored at the time, and she was there, and he he saw her, and he, was, he would ask me about it. And I said, She's single. Good, godly woman. Good, godly, chaste, virtuous young woman. I recommend you go. Won't you go over there and talk to her? Oh no, I can't talk to her. And we were over there talking to her. Well, you ought to go over there. You ought to meet that preacher. He's single. And and boy, you could really help him go somewhere and do something for God. And all week we was doing that behind the scenes. And I don't don't play Cupid, but I was that week. Surely, surely by Friday evening, by Friday evening, last day junior camp, he finally got up the audacity and the nerve to ask her out. I said, go over there and tell her that me and Miss Grace want to take y'all out and get some ice cream. And he was so nervous, he walked over there to her and he said, uh, would you like to go get some Pastor Schiff with me with the ice creams? <laughs> we took them to Sonic that night and they talked and talked and talked and talked and I kept looking at the clock. I'm like, dude, I got to go to bed. But I mean, they were talking, 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 talking. They ended up getting married. I'd like to think <laughs> I helped espouse them. We see Paul's possessiveness of them. We see Paul's preaching to them. Then we see Paul's preparation of them. All that's right there in the text. Look at what he says I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. I didn't just espouse you to Christ, but I prepared you. In order for you to be sanctified, separated, and set apart for just him. Just loving him. Just serving him. Just being with him. Just uh, being being, uh, satisfied with him. He prepared them. He taught them what it meant to be a Christian. All that's right there in the verse. His preparation of them. Paul's presentation of them. Look at what it says in verse number two. That I may present you... As a chaste virgin to Christ, I don't know that I have ever seen that statement like I saw it this morning. Ephesians chapter number five says this, and some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Watch this now. I don't want to misquote it. Let me find it. Listen to me, I'm talking about presenting. Here's what he said, that, that the husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. This is Ephesians 5 verse 25 and verse number 26 and verse number 27. That he might sanctify and cleanse it, talking about the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. Is that what your Bible says? That he might present it to himself. But Paul, in our text this morning, says, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What an interesting concept. That I might present you. Paul's preparation, that I may present you. I want to... I want to, Paul said it's my goal, it's my desire, it's my passion to get people saved and get people living for God and serving God so that I may present them to Christ. It's pretty strong, Paul's presentation. All this all this is what is leading up to verse number three. This is why Paul's getting, can I say it, this is why Paul's getting worked up. This is why Paul is concerned. This is why Paul said in verse number three, but I fear That I may present you, we see his possessiveness, we see his preaching, his preparation, his presentation. We see Paul's plans for them. That I may present you, verse number two, as a chaste virgin to Christ. Can I spiritualize that? I want you to meet Christ pure and chaste and not be embroiled in a love affair with the world. That's what happened to Demas. Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. He was in a spiritually adulterous love affair with the world. And Paul said, I want to present you a chaste virgin to Christ. Is everybody still with me? See, worldliness is a lot more serious than just doing a few things you're not supposed to do that's on the list of things you're not supposed to do oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I know the preacher preaches against that and the Bible talks about that, but I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong. I don't have to do that. You see, it's way more serious than you just spreading your wings and having a little bit of elbow room. It's all about you keeping yourself pure to Christ and not getting involved and getting the bed with the world. Right. Right. That's what it's all about. And we can't take that serious enough. The apostle Paul was concerned. He said, I'm fearful. I'm fearful that my plans and my preparation and my preaching uh, for you is greatly in jeopardy at this point. We see the concern of the man of God, verse one down through verse number three. Then we see the corruption of their minds. Look at what he says in verse number three. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve through his subtlety right. so your minds should be corrupted lest by any means and trust me the devil's got a whole bunch of means yes, sir. Yes, sir. he don't use the same tactic on everybody right. Right. he don't use the same temptations and the same trials he don't use the same lies and the same tricks on everybody he knows your weakness. Yes, sir. He knows yes, sir. where you're vulnerable. And he will get to you and mess up your mind, corrupt your mind by any means necessary. Right. 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 And why don't I have time to preach on that? I don't make a whole message right there by any means. You could come up with a list of them. Yes, sir. I mean a long list of the means that Satan will use To corrupt the minds of God's people. Paul said, man, I I preached. You got saved. Said you did. I was working and laboring to present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I'm I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I'm, I'm not sure why he even had to say what he said in verse number one except they were maybe just not spiritual enough to understand the seriousness of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Why would Paul refer to his fear of them as folly? I, let, I, not, let me just put myself out here, church. I'm really afraid. The devil's done gotten y'all, some of y'all's minds, corrupted your minds. And everything the devil touches, he corrupts, by the right. way. Yes, sir. He'll corrupt your mind, he'll corrupt your heart. Right. Corrupt your conscience. Corrupt your hands. Right. James said, Why should you cleanse your hands, you sinners? Purify your heart, you double minded. The devil corrupts everything he touches. Yes, sir. He'll corrupt your home, your marriage. No. Corrupt your children. He'll corrupt your 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 church. Paul said, I'm I'm fearful. I'm fearful that your minds have been corrupted. And then we see not only the concern of the man of God, we see the corruption of their minds. And that's where it starts usually. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's right in here. Your mind many times is your own worst enemy. Amen. Amen. Your mind, your thought patterns. I talked a while ago about meditating on the word of God. Boy, you, that's a good place to stay. Right. Devils will have a hard time corrupting your mind if you're meditating on the Word of God. The book of Psalms starts out with that. Right. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Right. Just think about him all the time. Think about him all the time. Let the Word of God just go through there all the time. Bible verses and and truths from the Word of God and prayer and praying without ceasing and just keeping your mind. If you do that, you won't fall prey to this right here, this corruption of your mind. A lot of people, the devil don't even have to try to corrupt their mind. They just turn the television on and corrupt it themselves pop a DVD in there and corrupt it themselves. Devil, the devil's not corrupting your mind. You're corrupting your own mind. About right. the stuff you listen to and watch and subject your heart and mind to. Is everybody okay? Right. Paul's talking about the, the subtlety. Boy, the devil is subtle too. That's how it starts out in Genesis. Now the, now the serpent was more subtle, the Bible says, than any other beast of the field. That's how it starts out before it even gets into the temptation process, before it even gets into what he said, it just goes on ahead and lets you know that the devil don't play fair. Very sneaky, very subtle. And Paul knew that. That's why he said that he will, through the subtlety, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted. The same, by the way, the same serpent, the same devil that lied to Eve in the garden and sold that pack of lies, is the same devil that you and I are having to fight against and deal with on a daily basis. And he's got thousands and thousands of years of experience. The worst thing you can think as a Christian is, oh, I got this. Oh, I got this. You better watch it. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Submit yourselves therefore to God, James said. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't do it without God. And he's subtle. And sometimes he'll use a friend. Sometimes he'll use a, a documentary. He'll use a book. We have to go through these books in our children's our school bookstore. Sometimes people give us books and we have to go through them and make sure that it doesn't have... Stuff in there. Every now and then we'll pick one up and we'll look in there and it'll start out like this. Millions and millions of years ago, you can just stop right there. <laughs> Throw it in the trash. Millions and millions of years ago. Evolution. He'll sneak it in books, he'll sneak it in films, he'll sneak it in movies, he'll sneak it in the news, he'll sneak it in political speeches, he'll sneak it into your children's cartoons, he'll sneak it into a modern translation of the Bible that just very subtly takes out the blood or the virgin birth or, 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 or adds works to salvation and is very subtle, very subtle. And that's what we're getting to, this third point. We see the concern for the man of God. We see the corruption of their minds. Thirdly, we see the counterfeiting of the message. Look at what he says in verse number three. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. God made it so simple. Jesus made it so simple. And then the devil comes along and has to convolute and complicate and since he used Adam and Eve in the garden, I'm going to use Adam and Eve in the garden. I mean, how much more simple can you possibly get for God to look at Adam and say, of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Eat all you want. This tree right here, this one tree right here, do not eat of it. For the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Tied him on the back. Love you. Have a great life. I'll see you tomorrow. That's about as simple as it gets. There ain't a three-year-old in here that don't understand that. I mean, if you was to bring a three-year-old in here and say, I'm going to leave, you can sit on any pew and any chair in this church, balcony, up the sides, any pew, you can sit anywhere you want to sit, just do not sit in this chair right here. Walk out. Come back five minutes later, what chair are they sitting in? Stinking little devils. That old Adamic nature. But it wasn't complicated. But no, the serpent came in and started playing mind games. Oh, yay. Hath God said? Well, she wasn't there when he said it originally. Come on now. She didn't have the original manuscript. But his word was preserved. Come on now. And she knew, she knew she wasn't supposed to eat of that tree. And the devil said, oh, can let you in on a little secret. See, God don't really love you as much as he says he does. And the truth of the matter is, he don't want you to eat of this tree because if you eat of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be as gods, knowing good from evil. And he don't want that for you. He wants to keep that for himself. He wants you to be ignorant and deprived and, and dependent upon him. And all of a sudden, what was simple now became complicated. Right. Right. That's the illustration Paul's using. Right. And he's still doing that. The devil's still doing that. Right. Right. Taking the simple truths, taking the simplicity of Christ and making it complicated. Right. He cooks up a whole bunch of new ideas. One of them is another Jesus. Huh? Look at the text. Verse number four: For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Well, if he can never make you question whether or not Jesus was who he said he was, there's where the confusion starts. And 1 Corinthians 14 says, God's not the author of confusion. And God, if I give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, and if he can introduce the idea that maybe there's another Jesus out there, then all of a sudden you take a step back and what was simple now all of a sudden it's complicated. Oh my goodness. Options. I got options. Another Jesus. By the way, that's not uncommon for people to question. John the Baptist did it. Yes, sir. Stay with me now. John the Baptist in prison sent his disciples to ask Jesus in Matthew chapter number 11 when he had heard the works of Christ in prison he sent two of his disciples and said art thou he that should come or do we look for another? And this is John who had been a forerunner. This had been John, well when I more think about this brother Snipes the more it blows my mind. This is the one that, this is the one that when he saw Jesus he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Right. This is the one that, that, was, that baptized Jesus. Yep. And when Jesus came up out of the water, doves came down from heaven and landed on his shoulder. And they heard audibly, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right. There was audible confirmation. There was visible confirmation. But a little bit later, he's in prison and he's questioning, Is this the Messiah or should we look for another? Jesus told his disciples, he said, you go back and you tell John those things which you do hear and see. I'm in Matthew 11, verse 4 and 5. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. There's your answer right there. You go back and tell him I'm the one. But apparently over in the first, Second Corinthians chapter number 11, the apostle Paul felt the need to remind the church at Corinth that some is gonna come up and tell you that the Jesus that we preached unto you is not the right one. They're gonna have another Jesus. Right. Right. Not only is there gonna be another Jesus, but there'll be another spirit. Come on now. For if he that cometh preached Another Jesus, I'm in our text, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. If he that cometh preach another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another Spirit, which ye have not received. See, when you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. By the way, that one's not ca- capitalized because it's not the Holy Spirit. Another Spirit, small s, which you've not received. Acts 2, they received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And when a person gets born again, they're indwelt, Hallelujah. baptized by the Holy Spirit. Right. He dwells within us, takes up residence. That's what Paul meant when he said, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body now is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. But there's going to come people and tell you, they're going to talk about another spirit. Right. Boy, there's a lot of that going on. You better watch this crowd talks about sign gifts all the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's not the Holy Ghost. They don't make people fall out in the floor slain in the spirit. The no. Holy Ghost don't do that. That's right. Is everybody okay? That's right. You don't find that in the Bible. That's right. All right. That's a different kind of spirit. Right. It's, an, it's an evil spirit. It's an ungodly spirit. 1 John 4 1, beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 4:1. Now the Spirit, capital S, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing small s spirits and doctrines of devils. So the Holy Spirit is encouraging me to write to you and warn you about all these seducing spirits that are sent to complicate what Jesus made simple. Right. Jesus said, I, it's expedient that I go away and I may send another comforter unto you. <laughs> He'll be with you always. Lead you and guide you into truth and bring all things to your remembrance and all the things that the Holy Spirit does. But this other small spirit, don't do none of that. It's a, it's a lying spirit. It's a seducing spirit. It is a confusing spirit it, it, it distorts and perverts truth. I just love to have a dollar for every time in South Africa somebody would come to our church and listen to me preach. And after it was over, they would say something like, boy, I really was a good message. I enjoyed that message. It's too bad you're not filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. It's just too bad. It's too bad you don't... I have the Holy Spirit. You can't speak in tongues. I said, well, I'm conversational in three other languages besides English, but we won't get into that. Well, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to pray in tongues. I said, well, that's not in the Bible anywhere, but I'll hear you out. Why should I pray in tongues? Well, when you pray, it's a pray in a heavenly language, It's just between you and God and the devil. He can't understand. I said, you do know he came from heaven, don't you? And if there's such a thing as a heavenly language, he knows it. So remind me again, what is it exactly that we're talking about? Oh, we're talking about bragging rights. We're talking about, we're talking about a little, another mark on my chart. I'm more spiritual than you because I can do this and I can do that. And you know what happened? They took simple Bible truths and made it complicated. Paul warned them about another Jesus, about another spirit, And then he warned them about another gospel. We're talking about the counterfeiting. There's a counterfeit Jesus. There's a counterfeit spirit. And he goes on in verse number four, or another gospel which ye have not accepted. It's not the gospel that got you where you're at right now. It's not the gospel that I preached to you. That's not the gospel that brought about conviction. That's not the gospel that brought about conversion. That's not the gospel that I have preached unto you. The gospel that they're preaching is not the same gospel. Watch this crowd. It's got new light. You better watch them. Paul dealt with that often. Galatians chapter number one. He said, I marvel in verse number six. You are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. The word gospel means good news. He said it's another gospel, but it's really not another gospel because gospel means good news and that's damnable information. That's, that's heresy, it's false. It's not good news, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert. The gospel of Christ. Right. I don't have much tolerance for perverts. But one of the ones that really gets under my skin is these that pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Preach a false doctrine, false salvation, and send people to hell. Yes, sir. There's apparently good money in that. Oh, yeah. If you never get into it, there's good money in it. I'm not interested. But though we, Paul said, I'm still in Galatians. Is everybody okay? Okay. Galatians 1, verse number 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. Let him be a cursed Preacher, I know this man's preaching the truth. He's a good man. Is he an angel from heaven? He's a good person. Is he an angel from heaven? Because even if he was, even if they had the song service and then they announced the preacher and he flew in with wings and a white glistening robe and stood behind the pulpit. If he's preaching to you a gospel different from the one that I preached from him, that Paul said, let it be yes. cursed to hell. Yes. Yes. Don't listen to it. Right. And Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He said, I'm fearful that I espoused you, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, but these guys are coming in preaching another Jesus and another spirit and another gospel. And he says at the end of verse number three, a heartbreaking statement, you might well bear with him. Paul said, I believe that if they came in and preached another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, I believe you'd give them a love offering, buy their books, and post their message on your YouTube channel. You'd tolerate it. You'd put up with it. What happened? they left the simplicity of Christ and it's not complicated i don't have time to preach my message that was the introduction i'm just going to give you the two points and then i'll preach it maybe later or not the first thing he said are y'all okay first thing he said it's not complicated I'm talking about the simplicity the simplicity, number one, of our reception of Christ. Coming to Christ is so simple, children can do it. Nicodemus made it hard, didn't he? <laughs> Came to Jesus by night. Master, we know that art a teacher come from God. See, he learned to do that in Bible college. Inflate the ego and fluff them up and politics and grease the skids and came at night though, didn't he? He was embarrassed by the fact that he was coming to Jesus. He was coming to Jesus. So he did it at night. Oh, you no, know, that what a teacher come from God, from no man can do these miracles without doing it, except God be with him. Jesus said, you must be born again. Think of Demas, forget all that. It's just me and you. You must be born again. Jesus said it like this. In Luke 18, verse 16 and 17, suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. It's not complicated to receive Christ. One of the most widely circulated gospel tracts in our lifetime was written by a man named Ford Porter. Some of y'all know it. Pink and gray on the front. God's simple plan of salvation. How many thousands of people will be in heaven because of that? God's simple plan of salvation. Do you realize you can write a message that can change a person's eternal change a person's eternal destiny? You can write it on a piece of paper that big. It's not complicated. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a high IQ. You just need to come. That's it, come. Spirit and bride say, come. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's not complicated. It's not complicated. John 1 verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. I've got a pen right here. I've got an ink pen, Brother Burner. I'm going to present this to you. Oh, thank you. Now it's his. Put it back up here when you get done with it. Come and receive it's paid for I'm extending it receive it by faith receive it it's not complicated there will be people that will spend years studying the scriptures and manuscripts trying to figure out how to get to God right. Well, all I got to do is come as a child in faith believing because it's not complicated right. I did it when I was four We see the simplicity of our reception of Christ. Secondly, we see the simplicity of our regeneration through Christ. It is absolutely the easiest thing in the world to let God change your life. Amen. Amen. I wish to have the time to turn over there to Numbers 21 about that story of the brazen serpent. Jesus referred to when he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know what the doctor's prescription was for that fatal snake bite in Numbers 21? You want to know what the prescription was? Are you ready? Listen carefully. If you ain't paying attention, you're going to miss this right here. You ready? Look and live. Look and live. Just look at it. You can't get no more simple than that. But since, since the beginning of time, man has been working overtime to complicate what God made simple. I don't have time to go over and look at the sacrifice that was offered up, that Cain and Abel offered up, but Cain, the Bible tells us, was a tiller of the ground and and Abel was a keeper of the sheep and God said, I want you to make me a sacrifice and the Bible tells us that Abel just took one of his lambs and put it up there on the altar but no Cain, he had to do it the hard way. He had to go out there and take the toil and the labor and the sweat and the fruit of the ground and he offered it and the Bible says that God wouldn't receive it. He rejected it. Why? Because he was making complicated what God made simple. People still doing it today. They'd rather work their whole life, cross their fingers and hope they get it right. Hope they get enough good deeds on their side of the scale to offset the bad deeds. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In 2 Kings chapter number 5, Naaman was a leper. The Bible tells us Naaman was a leper. The little maid said, why would the God... We did God and a master could go to the prophet in Israel. <laughs> so Naaman went, knocked on the door. Man of God sent a servant out, didn't even come in person. Just sent the servant out. Go out there in the, in the river Jordan and dip seven times. Naaman got mad as fire. That's right. Good old South Georgia phrase, mad as fire. Yes, sir. Bible says he was wroth. The Bible says he walked away in a rage. That's in 2 Kings chapter 5. Read it when you get home. He's standing on the doorstep of the man of God. He said, go out there in that river Jordan and dip seven times and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And he got mad. Sounds like us, don't it? The solution is so simple. But no, we got to make it complicated. And the Bible says he turned and walked away in a rage and his servant, oh, and he's, he's, he's now all of a sudden trying to... It wasn't even his idea. It wasn't his plan. This whole go dip in the river. But now he's got to complicate it. He says, oh, we got rivers back where I came from. Farbar and, 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 and we got all these rivers back home. So now you're going to sit down and do homework. Make a list of all the rivers that you could go. There's one right there. That's the one I told you to go dip in. Let's go do research and let's draw from our wealth of knowledge. Why don't we just do what God said? And he walked away in a rage, and the servants, boy, I feel preach coming home. The servant said, If he'd have asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. And he would have. He'd have spent every dime in the bank. He'd have climbed the highest mountain. He'd have fasted for 40 days. He'd have flogged himself with whips like they do in the Philippines. He said if he'd have asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. All he wants you to do is go beyond that river and dip down seven times. Why you got to make it so complicated? Naaman humbled himself and walked down in that muddy Jordan River. As we sing in the chapel service, and he dipped 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 and he dipped. And And the Bible says when he came out, his flesh was like a newborn baby. Well, what do you know? It's not complicated. God could change you this morning. God could save your soul this morning. He could do a sovereign, divine, eternal work in your heart this morning if you'd let him salvation's been furnished, it's free, it's final, it's forever, and it's for everyone. Don't make it complicated. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, musicians are coming. I wonder if there'd be somebody this morning that would slip your hand up and say, Pastor Shiflett, I'm not 100% sure if I died right now. I cannot say with 100% certainty that I know I'd go to heaven. I hope I would. I think I would. But I don't know for sure. Would you be honest enough this morning in the house of God to raise your hand where I can see it? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now I'd go to heaven. Pray for me, please. Anybody, anywhere? Anybody, anywhere? Preacher, pray for me. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Anybody, anywhere? We wouldn't want to overlook you this morning. Maybe there's somebody needs to get in this altar right now, you're not where you need to be with God. You wanna know what's happened? The subtlety of Satan has corrupted your mind. He's corrupted your mind. The Christian life is not complicated. You just need to trust the Lord, trust Jesus, and obey him. That's the secret life right there. That's the secret to the Christian life. Trust and obey. Spent too much time trying to reason things out, logically reason things out. Well, I don't don't think this is wrong. I don't think this is going to hurt me. I don't think this is going to hinder my relationship with God. I don't think you need to stop and just trust